Hello and welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers Podcast. My name's Rick. I'm joined today by Samuel. Hello, Samuel. Hello. Hello, and I'm also joined by Tom as well. Hello, Tom. Hi, uh, I'm Tom L. Yeah, and it's Samuel, not Sam, from last week. It's not. Yeah, it's a different Samuel, not Sam, from last week. Just wait till we have a second Rick. There's, there's too many Sams and too many Toms, and yeah, yeah. not enough Ricks. <laughs> no, I'll have the world all one week, and not really confuse you. Uh, thanks to both of you for uh, for joining us. We're just uh, a bit of information about the club. We're uh, we're a board games club, so we meet uh, twice a week to play games, tabletop games in general. And uh, we're open to everybody, so anybody who wants to come and play some games with, with us can come and uh, uh, come and join us. We've got a packed show for you today. We've got quite a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some games that we've been playing recently. We've got a question of the week, which is, do you play any of the classic games? We're going to hear from one of our club members about what games he's been playing recently. But first, we've got some uh, some good news. Tom, your, your Kickstarter's funded. Yes, it finished a uh, little while back and it hit its funding level, which is great. So I've now got to do more hard work. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, yeah, well done, yeah. Tom. And I know Thank you've you. been working really hard on it, sort of demoing and playtesting and things like that. So yeah, congratulations. That's yes. really good news. Yeah. I'm really pleased. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Uh, same, now same now you've got to actually make a game. But yeah, physically make the game and get it out to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... Do, do, do you know roughly how long that's going to take or what, what's the plan? So next? the plans are the card art is pretty much there. I've just got to have a few tweaks done to the designs on the cards, and that's about a 10-15 minute job. Um, the box has got to be not fully laid out. Most of it's sorted. It's just reformatted from what I've had for my prototype um, in a tuck box to have it for a two-part box. Um, and the biggest bit is rule book. Whilst I've got the rules written, they're just uh, as a word file at the moment, and so I've got to lay it out as an A6 book- booklet, and I'm not fully happy with some of the character descriptions that I've got in there, so I've just got to reword some text and things. So not mm. not so much to do, but um, a bit. So um, yeah. the plan is July, early August, get all the files sorted, get the files over to the printers, sort of middle of August time, check to make sure everything's okay. I'm going to open up um, the Kickstarter just for a week or so for late back. So use my pledge manager for late backers end of August, just for a week or two, whilst I'm at Tabletop Scotland and things, and put the order in with the printers beginning of September. That should be completed in October, early October time, ready for dispatch. October, late, um, early November, if it's got unexpected delays. That's the plans. Excellent. Well done, yeah. Tom. Yeah, that's really good news. Well done. We had our Sunday session this month, and we played lots of games. It's a it's a good uh, gaming day, really. So uh, when we play on a Tuesday evening, obviously we've just got the evening, and people turn up at seven o'clock and play games. But the Sunday sessions are really good kind of day, a full day to play longer games or a good variety of games if you like. You know, like playing different lots of different types of games. Mm. So one of the games that we played uh, at the Sunday session was Railroad Inc. Uh, and this is a roll and write. So on the last podcast, we talked about uh, roll and write games, uh, and we played a, a bunch then. And this is another of that of that genre. In Ray World Inc., what you're trying to do is you're trying to uh, build connections between lines sort of on on a grid. So it's, it's slightly different to the other one in that you don't get a pad; you get like a dry erase board, and you get some some markers. Uh, and there's four dice that get rolled each turn, so you have to draw those dice into your into your pad. 
and that gives you a route, and there's either train tracks or motorways, uh, roads. Yeah, roads are the other things, and there are also stations as well that kind of link them together. And you're joining these uh, these lines up, and you get points for the the longest road, the longest train track. You get points for the bit that you filled in in the middle, and so on. So this plays from uh, one to six players, plays in about thirty minutes. And this is another good roll and write. I thought I, I really enjoyed playing it. Um, it. It was fairly straightforward, but we just played the base game. There are some extra rules in there and some dice for uh, a, a sort of kind of built-in module, built-in expansion thing, where which adds a meteor and a volcano. I think. So that's the red version, I think, with the meteor and volcano. There's the blue version with a river instead. Ah, is there another version as well? So yes, there's the red uh, railroad ink and there's the blue railroad ink. And the blue one has river dice. Right, yeah, it was it was the red one that we played. Yeah, yeah, I think Tom C mentioned that one because I, I played it with him a while back, uh, a couple of Sunday sessions ago, and he mentioned there were a couple of versions at the time. Uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it because you, uh, you you have to fill in your pad with the dice results. So you get four results each turn, so you're kind of filling in the squares and trying to link together these uh, transport links. And it's kind of a bit of a pushy look element in there as well because you kind of you can kind of start off going in one direction. And, and hope that you hit, you know, you get the the result that you want on the dice. You don't always get that, you, and sometimes you have to change your plans a little bit. So I quite like that side of it. There's also those special um, options where you can choose. I think is it three or four of them out of the wild. Yeah, three. I think you get three yeah. during the whole game. Yeah, there's some special uh, links at the top, isn't there, that you can use, which is like a crossroads with a train attached, or a, a T-shape with a, a road attached to it, and they kind of help you out as well in certain circumstances, especially if you if you kind of back yourself into a corner a little bit, you can use those to to sort of get out of it and uh, and score a few extra points. But yeah, it was it was really good. Um, uh, I think the dry dry erase thing is a good idea because you, you you're not relying on a pad of sheets that'll eventually run out. Then you you can kind of reuse it as much as you want. Yeah, I, I've played these kind of games before where the the pens kind of dry out after after a while. But you can get you can get normal you know dry erase pens from anywhere, can't you? So you can always replace those. It's just if the board gets eventually gets marked, you rubbing out and whatever so many times. I've seen some bit like that. Like at the treehouse, where they've been played a lot, and it sort of not really rubbed off. Eventually, it sort of stopped rubbing off properly. Well, I think they just need to be taught the benefit of ethanol to, to help with the dry razor, or yeah, um, probably, or actually, but yeah. baby wipes yeah. work wonders. Um, so yeah. my son had some dry erase books for when he was younger, and we discovered that wet wipes are really good for removing dry erase marker from those kinds of surfaces. So have you, have you guys played the blue one at all, or have you just played the, the red one? I've just only played and only seen the red one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, similarly, I only had access to Tom C's version, and that was the red version, but we didn't play this special thing yeah. ones at that point either, so... I think I think from the um, uh, from the one that I played, it, it was pretty straightforward. There wasn't a lot to it. Um, it was just basically trying to, op- to optimise, you know, your, your, where you're putting your you're rotating your train tracks but uh, I guess the, the dice will add you that extra so once you've played it a few times you know and you, you're kind of getting a bit bored of it you can throw in the extra uh, the extra rules and the extra dice and that'll add some more some more stuff to think about so I quite like that as well you can start off like quite simple and then add more stuff to it as you get used to the game and yeah. add a bit more of a challenge so that was good yeah yeah so I really liked that yeah it was really good and another game that we played recently was A Fake Artist Goes to New York so it's a bit of a weird title, but it does it does kind of <laughs> lead into the theme. The uh, the the uh, goal behind this one is to uh, try and find out who the fake artist is. 
So this is another one with a dry erase board, funnily enough, as well. You get uh, some markers uh, and some little boards, and on the boards you get a clue. So the clue could be anything. It could be uh, a building or a person or a food or whatever it might be. But one person's going to be the fake artist, and they don't know what the what the clue is. The other people will get a chance to draw on a on a shared pad. So it'll be like a, a little notepad in front of everybody, and you'll get a coloured pen, and you draw you draw one mark. Uh, I think that's right, isn't it, Sam? You draw one mark per person, and then it goes on to the next one. You have yeah one continuous line on your turn, then it goes to the next person. Everybody everybody will draw two lines during the game. A line, that's it. Yeah. So it could it could be a line, but as long as you don't take your pen off the paper, it could be quite something quite complicated, or it could be complicated, or it could just be a dot, or a something as simple as a dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which we did actually see. So yeah. so it goes around, and then the next player draws a, a a line as well, and then the next player draws the line, and then it gets to the fake artist, and he has to try to draw a line without giving away that he doesn't know what the what it is he's drawing, and then it goes around twice, so everybody draws twice. And then at the end, you try and identify who the fake artist is. So you can see what's being drawn on the pad and you can see what coloured pens people have. And then there's usually a bit of discussion at that point to say, you know, what I don't understand what this is supposed to be or this looks like rubbish to me or whatever it might be. And then you, there's a kind of vote, isn't there, to, to try and find out who the fake artist yeah. is. Point who you think the fake artist is. Yeah. Um, and if, let me get this right, if they if they identify the artist... He can still win if he can guess what the clue is. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Yes, that's the right way around, isn't it? So so if you don't find the artist, if you point to somebody else and, and they get identified, they, then the artist wins just automatically. But that that's so it's it's one of those games where you don't you, you want to be kind of vague, but not vague enough that people don't know what you know what it is what you're drawing, but vague enough yeah. so you don't want the artist to figure out what it is. So yeah. There's a few games that do that kind of thing, like Spyfall and Dixit has a bit of that as well, but I really like that mechanic, and uh, I like how this one plays up to 10 players as well, so this is 5 to 10 players. Wow, that's a lot. And it takes 20 minutes. So, it's a, yeah, it's a, I really like this game. It's really funny. Um, it's one of the games where I can play like four or five times on the trot and uh, and, and just really enjoy it each time. Yeah, because you'll be quite different depending on what the, the topic and what, what the clue is that you've got. So drawings for something like fish might be completely different to drawings for something like I don't know I can't think of something <laughs> yeah <laughs> for, I don't know, for difference of drawings for Donald Trump or something you yeah a completely yeah. different set of things and, and, and depending on who the spy is and who goes in what order and... there's a couple of downfalls I think to this game the first is that you need five players to play it yeah uh, which is if you've got if you've got a lot of people then that's ideal I mean that's really good because it goes up to ten yeah. Uh, so, but if you've got like four players, then you kind of you you can't really you can't really do it as well. And then the other thing that I wasn't quite sure about that was that um, one person has to give you a clue. So I think when we played it, we kind of picked somebody who wasn't playing the game, and, and he gave us a clue, and that allowed us to play. You know, with fewer players. Yeah. But if you're playing, if you've got a group together, uh, somebody gives a clue, and obviously they know what the clue is then, and they know who the spy is because they they have to write it on the board. So, so they'll either have to sit out the round until until you know the next round, or or you need to get someone in who's not playing the game to yeah to, to give you a clue, which but isn't a bad thing because it's so quick that it doesn't really matter anyway. Yeah, it, it's a quick game, so it doesn't matter if you give a clue. And it's quite it's quite interesting trying to think up a clue as well because it could be anything, couldn't it? You pick a category yeah. and then you know the clue could be anything you want. Yeah, and you, you can win the game as the as the person doing the clue of the spy wins. 
You're yeah, you to... still you still get to participate into it to some extent, don't you? Yeah. That you get you get points at the end of it. Is, is there a kind of is that like a round thing? Then do you get some points, and then you or is that just the entire game? I think, I think that's just the entire game. I mean, you could you could play it over a series of rounds if you wanted to. I guess yeah, you could yeah. do that. I, I like the uh, I like the pictures at the end as well. When when you yeah. look in the box, when you open the box for the first time, you've got pictures in from the last time you played. Yeah, and you can see like the pictures in there that people have drawn, and <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you, label, can, you, can... You, you label them with what the topic was and what the clue was and what the, whether the fake artist won and yeah. not, what their colour yeah. was and so on. Yeah, so it's quite fun looking at those as well. You end up with something that you can kind of keep and look at and say, "Oh yeah, I remember, I remember yeah. that game." Or if it's one you weren't playing, you'd be going, "What earth happened in that game? <laughs> How has that got to do with this? What's going on?" It's a skateboard. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So, so yeah, sometimes it does end up looking like what you know what the clue is, but sometimes it just goes off on a tangent, doesn't it? And you end up with just random stuff all over the page. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I really like this one. It's uh, yeah, I, I generally do like that kind of game where you know you get a traitor and you kind of trying to guess out who it is without being found out and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but this one, yeah, it's it's really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, and as well, it comes in a tiny little box, doesn't it? It's like yeah. a really small little box. Well, it's, it's only games, and they're all the games in those kind of small boxes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah they really portable. Sea, they did Deep Sea Adventure as well. Another one that's yeah. well known. So it's good to take to places. Yeah. Because you're not filling up a bag f- with something that's meaty and heavy and yeah. can bludgeon someone to death if you dropped it on them. It's a it's a party pocket game. Yeah, good to MTT. You take a pub if you've got a gathering or something, because it, re- it doesn't require a lot of board game knowledge or even you, know, you need to necessarily like board games a huge deal. It's more of a it is more of a party game. You can. It's definitely a family game, isn't it? You can play with yeah. anybody, basically. Yeah. You can easily tailor it to, any, any, to most groups, I would think. Because you decide the theme and the clues. So. Yeah, sometimes when you play these kind of games, it is a bit confusing to start off with because you say, you know, you're trying to explain it and you're saying somebody knows what it is, but you you want to be vague, but not too vague, and people look at you and say, "What?" <laughs> but once once you've actually played it, once you've played around it, you you, you know, it's it's yeah, you makes can, a lot more sense. You know yeah. how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, and then you jump into a second round, and everybody knows what they're doing. Yeah, brilliant. I like, I really like this one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what 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 games have you guys been playing? I played Teotihuacan or Twitty. How are you, Ken? Or what? I, it's it's the South Amer- the South American pyramid game, uh, it, it, which has got a number of T's in more vowels than make sense and ends in an N. I think it's Twitty. How are you, Ken? Or Teotihuacan? <laughs> or I don't know. It's it's a mouthful of consonants and vowels. Teotihuacan. Um, yeah, but. It's one that I'd heard good things about. It's one that had been on my I want to play this game list and my friends had got it and they'd said to me a while back, we've got it, it's like, yeah, I really want to play this and because I've been demoing so much the last four or five weeks, just not been able to get to a gaming session and because they said normally it takes us sort of three, three and a half hours to play, didn't come down on Tuesday and I actually went to my friends to play that because we wanted to have enough time to get it played. And yeah, we started shortly after eight, finished about eleven, half eleven, because it's my first game of playing. So it says up to sort of two hours on the side of the box. And we went, well, I'll take a little bit longer to explain the rules and so on. And it it's a decent sized board. And it's basically you do things each round and there's point scoring. So there's... A semi-variable number of rounds. Basically, each round 
you move the sun along the sun track until it reaches to the moon. And when it reaches the moon, it's an eclipse, and then that resets. And you do that till you hit three eclipses. But when it, you hit an eclipse, you score points. And there's a number of, basic, there's eight different positions for your, your workers to be on. And your workers range in aptitude from level one to level five. And whenever they do something, by and large, there's options for them to improve their aptitude. So they go from one to two and up to all the way to five. And once you hit five, you then ascend. And there's loads of things going on. And so it's, it's got a good bit of heft to it. It's not, um, some of the lighter games I've been playing more recently. Four of the spaces are resources. So you've got um, a gold resource. You've got a stone resource. You've got a stick resource and um, you've got the starting space, which is kind of uh, a wild number of resources where your work can be locked into. You've got other spaces where you have got um, building the pyramids in the middle. So you've got some nice square um, solid blocks and it's a bit like um, Mahjong pieces, but um, and this is for building your pyramid. You've got one which is the where you're building houses for the Trail of the Dead. I don't fully understand that how that links into things, but that's an important point. And you've got one area where you're decorating the steps on your pyramid, and you've got a tech chart which gives you extra victory points and other things for landing in certain point places. And during your turn, you get to move one of your workers to a different square and do an appropriate action. But you've got to balance the amount of cocoa you've got, which we kept on calling coffee because it's a bean icon. And we saw it and it's like, oh, that's a coffee bean. And um, one of my friends, Chris, was just getting the noise like, it's cocoa. So, you know, by 11 o'clock when we're kneading the cafe, it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't have enough coffee for this. And he was just getting properly irate at this point going, it's cocoa, damn it. It's like, sorry, yes, it's cocoa, <laughs> not coffee. Sorry, we'll go for a mocha or something. But anyway. It's really key keeping the amount of cocoa that you've got because um, one of the, uh, the players, Brian, just did not get his cocoa levels right and was really struggling through the game and he managed to get to 100 points at the end. Um, the rest of us were sort of um, 140, 160 something or 170 something. So it really does hamper you if you've not got your cocoa levels right because this enables you to do different things. Um, you've really got to balance all your different actions to try and get the most optimal set of um, actions to do. And yeah, there's lots of little things at different places. And there are points where you can interfere with your opponent's plans, not greatly, but just a little bit. And yeah, there's just a lot to think about and for sort of, a three, four minute discussion doesn't do it enough justice. Um, but it's definitely a game I'd like to play again, again, because I really enjoyed it on Tuesday when I played it. There's enough to think about, but not too much for your brain to burn. So once we've sort of played a few rounds, get, it's quite easy to get to grips with, but it just does take a while to go through the rules to understand what each of the eight different bits do and to start working out how the different things connect. Definitely a, 
play once, learn it, play a second time and really get into the meat of it a lot quicker. Yeah, it, it sounds similar to a game we played. We, we were in the same boat. We uh, we played a bit of a longer game the other day. And uh, yeah, it take, it's one of those that takes a bit to learn it. But once you've kind of got the got the gist of it, you, you kind of see you know what else you can do with it. Um, it. It's easy to learn like what the spaces is and what the actions do, but how they all tie together, that's probably going to come more on your second play, isn't it? Uh, I'd, I'd like to say so, but I managed to um, whoop my friends, despite them having played before and it was my first game. So definitely uh, second time round, I think I have a better grasp on of it and can, can play more optimally rather than sort of yeah. um, a, an element of luck, I suspect. Beginner's luck. Yeah, it, I haven't played this one, but it looks really nice. Yeah, I've had a look at the photos, and it looks, yeah, it looks uh, really yeah, good. It's, it's definitely an impressive game, um, and for its cost, it, um, I don't know how much it costs exactly, but what there, there's enough in there, you don't kind of feel like you'd be shortchanged, if that makes sense. Mm. You mentioned the Mahjong-type tiles. They, they look quite good as well. You kind of stack them up in the middle, don't you? Yes, so there, there's a pattern-spotting element as well, so you can build a tile, which gets you a certain amount of points. But if you can match the symbols with what's on the level below, the more you match, the more points you get. And also there's some with coloured symbols, and that um, helps you with a different chart. So there's plenty of puzzle elements in different spots. And because there's different technologies available and some different point scoring, you can play this game several times. And each game, there's those different puzzle elements brought in because one um, certain tech will be different or some of the techs will be different, giving you different options. Some of the victory point things will be different. And so what you're trying to achieve will differ based on this. And there, um, there's some solo play elements in there as well. So it's a game that you can play solo, but how on earth you do that, I don't know. So, so what have you been doing, Sam? Following on a bit from last week and the talk about digital board games, um, one game I do play a lot um, digitally, if not much, tabletop, is Star Realms, which I really like, um, which for those that don't know is a deck building game. So you start off with a deck of, of 10 cards um, and during the game you'll be building that up and getting to sort of maybe 20 to 30 cards by the end of the game. I mean, it's quite a few different deck builders around, but I particularly like this one because it's sort of, it's got a very simple um, sort of aim, which is basically to reduce the opponent's health or authority, as it calls it, uh, down to zero. And they're obviously trying to do the same to you. So it's largely a two-player game. So yes, you're trying to reduce the, the other person's authority slash health uh, down to zero, which is, I think it's quite just a easy, very simple sort of straightforward idea. So then the cards will give you one, one of three things essentially when you play them. I'll give you money to buy more cards, attack to get rid of your opponent's authority, or give you authority back, or some combination of those things, as well as allowing you to draw cards, and then scrap cards from your deck, which is a key point of, I think, most deck builders is to get rid of cards you don't want anymore, and make your deck get rid of your start, your not very good starting cards, and instead have mostly newer, shinier, better cards. But one of the things I do, one of the main things I really like about it is the way the, the combos work, because there are four different factions in the game, which have, each have a different colour, so it's red, yellow, blue, and green. And 
a lot of the cards, you'll put one down, and then if you put another one down of the same colour, it'll trigger something else on the first one. And the first one could also trigger something on the second one, potentially. And that can stack quite nicely, so you can put sort of a couple of cards down. That'll allow you to draw some more, you'll put those down, that'll allow you to do something else, which will allow you to do something else, and you can get more things, and you can, if you get the right kind of cards, you can stack up a lot of damage or health or whatever. It's, I just I find it sort of very satisfying when you when you pull it off and wallop your opponent for 30, 40, 50 damage in a turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like Star Realms. Yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, yeah. I really like it as well. It's, it's so simple to pick up. I mean, I've I've sort of got a hang of now. I've been playing with a lot of the expansions online. I mean, I play play a lot against the AI, and you, you can cheese the AI a bit. I've had some very silly games where I've put up a silly deck and just ramped up my health and ended up on I had one game where I ended up on about 250 health or something <laughs> and yeah I ended up about mine I did I think I did 71 damage or something or 72 damage on my last turn that, that game was a bit... that sounds a bit monstrously mental <laughs> it was I got this sort of quite good deck go where I was just gaining loads of health every turn I basically played my entire deck every turn and I had like 14 bases out it was a bit mad <laughs> Yeah, it it is really good, and what you were saying about the damage as well. Yeah, your your authority is like your health, isn't it? It starts off about fifty. Yeah, and when you first start playing a couple of hands, you do like one or two, two and you yeah. think, oh, this is going to last forever. But it doesn't take long for it to snowball, and suddenly you're hitting for like you said twenty or thirty or more each turn. Yeah, I mean, you've got cards that do, you've got cards that do sort of five, six, seven damage in one card. And, you know, you can stack them. I mean, one of the the blue faction whose name escapes me for some reason um, has got one of the cards one of the ships that costs two money is called Cutter and it gets you um, if you just play one Cutter you get four health and two money um, if you combine it with another blue card you get four damage as well and if you get all three Cutters in three cards you can get twelve health six money and twelve damage yeah which <laughs> and you spent you spent six money to get all three I mean you've got to come out obviously but I mean I always I always try and grab a Cutter if there's one there because it's just I mean it's four health and two money for a two money card it's, it's, it's quite a good deal to me uh, that combination of it, that you say is really good as well because when you're first starting off sort of building your deck you can go for or you know you want to try and get those combos where you get a couple of cards in your hand of the same colour so they, they run the combos but then again some of the cards yeah. will, will give you stuff that you need like if you really need money do you buy a green one even though you're not really collecting green just to get yeah. just because it gives you two or three money each turn uh, the, the, so that kind of that kind of decision that you're yeah. making in the middle of a game is really good. Yeah, and the, the different as well. The different factions have a slightly different focus. So the mm. the red faction, the um, machine cult has that has, that's the one that has all the scrapping cards in it. So it's useful to get those because then you can get rid of all your rubbish starting cards. Yeah. Um. Whatever. So you're not getting repeatedly going through rubbish. Um. The, the blue faction, as we discussed, has all the healing cards in it. So that's quite useful for um keeping your health up. The yellow faction has a lot of cards that will make your opponent discard cards from their hand. So I had to game against the area recently where he was discarding at least one card a turn because I had a couple of yellow bases out. And he had, I had rest turns where I was discarding two or even three cards. So you can do that. And then the green one um, has a lot of cards, or a fair few cards, like to trash cards in the in the market row and replace them with other ones. Mm. So just cycle that a bit, which can be quite good. It does. I think most of actually do a fair bit of damage, but I feel like the green and red ones do maybe a bit bigger damage than some of the other ones. Certainly the blue one's a bit lower, I think, because of the healing. But and, and the app is really good as well, isn't it? The app's brilliant for it. Yeah, the app's really nice. We had a, I, Last year, for the first time, I joined in the sort of annual Star Realms uh, online league that we have at the club. 
Paul, if you're listening, are we going to have another one soon? <laughs> I've mentioned it a couple of times, but uh, I mean, I, so I joined last year. We had there was nine of us, and I was sort of well, you know, I'll join. I'll see uh, sort of how it goes. I mean, before before that, I'd not played much. I'd only had it a few months before then. I'd played Hero Realms a bit before then. I'd got I'd got Hero Realms. Even a quarter, even a quarter ago, and played that a fair bit. Yeah, I played that actually at the club, but the weekend I played Hero Realms, and it's it's very similar, isn't it? It's pretty much the same game, just a different theme. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's the worst of spin-off. They did it's just a fantasy and spin-off. Um, but yeah, so we we started the league, and I thought, well, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I don't expect I'm going to do very well. And early on, that's where it looked like I got a couple of heavy defeats. Paul G was getting some pretty heavy wins, um, and then I went on holiday for a week and actually played quite a lot on holiday. Um, and so it sort of improved a lot. And then after that, I went on an enormous run of just winning lots of games. And in fact, I ended up winning <laughs> winning the league last year. So I've got a little trophy in my house. Um, so it's another reason I'd like to have another one. I'd like to try and have the chance to defend my trophy. I, I mean, I quite like it because I can, I can boot the app up and jump into a game and be sort of instantly know what I'm doing. You know, going to instantly look at the opening row and go, right, what, do, what, what factions do I want this turn? What, how am I going to do this one? What am I going to get? Well, I can grab that, I can grab this. You can, like, you can just dive into it in seconds once you know what you're doing. It's just, particularly on the app, it's really Yeah, quick. the app's got the Colony Wars yeah. expansion. Well, it's like a separate set of cards, yeah, it's isn't it? Yeah, got all the expansions. And you've got all the expansions on there, like the heroes and the other stuff in there as well. You can put those in as well if you want. Yeah. Which mixes it up a bit. Yeah, and I can chop and change between which ones I've got in. But the other thing that's really nice on the app compared to real life is you don't have to do any shuffling. It shuffles everything automatically. Do you need the expansions? Just as a question, if we've not played this, do you need to have all the expansions to be competitive? Or if you just say, if I went and picked up the starter set, would I be able to craft something from that and be fairly competitive? Disadvantage if I was to then, to then play you, Samuel, other than the fact that you've played a few more times and are clearly um, the club champion. <laughs> well, the only one, I mean, I think there are, I think there are people who are probably better than me. Um, potentially, um, although I've had lots since last year. But when we were doing it online, whoever was sort of hosting, well, you, we each had the expansions we'd got uh, listed. You could only pick from ones that your opponent had, um, so you, you weren't able, you weren't allowed to pick any that they didn't have, so that you only used ones you both had. Um, right, so okay. like that way. But I mean, the expansions only really add well. A lot of them add new, um, just. New cards are the same type as the base game. One or two do add some slightly different cards, but they're they're pretty simple. Um, and if you're not playing with those, it's right. Okay, so there's only one deck and one market row, isn't there? Which is like shared between the players. Yeah. So whatever yeah. expansions you put in, that's not your deck. It kind of goes into the central deck, and they all, all the cards come out. Yeah. So you've got an equal chance a... of drawing the same the same stuff. Right. Okay. So yeah, it's not a CCG where I think it's a it's a a game where you build the deck as you play the game. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's really good. I, I like. Uh, I don't like the uh, cards that keep track of the scores. Um, in the in the real game, you get like some yeah, cards that you can flip over. But we, when we played it, we just use a like a Magic the Gathering uh, app, you know, to keep track of the scores. Yeah, and you just tap it to download it. That makes it a lot easier. Yeah, the Star Realm scoring ones are rubbish. They just mm. think the cards are twenty and ten and five on, and you know, double sided, which is a faff. The Hero Realms ones were a lot better because you had this little. One that had the tens and one that had the ones, and then you move them up and down and round, yeah. which is much simpler. But it's, yeah. quite, it's quite easy to replace them. You can replace it with tokens or an app counter or whatever you want, really, can't you? Yeah, sounds good. But yeah, yeah, I do. Like, I do like deck building games in general. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I like it because it's just I can just 
you know, I can play a game in 10 minutes or whatever, and it's still easy to jump into. Yeah. And then generally, all the games are quite different, and I can flip around between the different expansions and things, and it's, it's, it's still, you know, satisfactory to get the combos even now. I'll be playing it for a year and a half. Um, you know, you still get interesting things happening. And there's the campaign mode as well, if you've got, if you want to do that, with different challenges and slightly different rule sets. I have played that, yeah, yeah, I, I like that as well. Some interesting things in there, interesting twists. Yeah. I had one very stupid one where the, I was, we, we had a sort of a, some sort of trash, extra trashing rules. And the AI, I don't know whether it was a bug or what, but the AI got himself down to one card, <laughs> which was a base that didn't really do very much. So he literally couldn't do anything for the rest of the game. He just had this one base. <laughs> and that was his entire deck was one card. It was just stupid. Yeah, sometimes the challenges will add extra rules and, and you get a rating at the end, you get like a star rating. Yeah. So I quite like replaying them and getting trying to get three stars on each yeah, one. Yes, so I do that as well. I try, and, I, I, I try and finish it with three stars if I can first. I mean, sometimes I can't. It's good. It's, I just like that game. Yeah, good pick. <laughs> okay, uh, any other games that have played recently that you want to go through? Um, well, I, I played one on Sunday, which I think was described at the time by somebody who was playing it. Was that Endogenesis? One of our club members is here to talk about a game that he played. So here he is. What's your name, please? Ziad. Just been playing? Endogenesis. What's it about? So it's a Kickstarter game. Uh, came out a couple of weeks ago. Is essentially all players are playing as new spirits or entities in a newly formed universe. And it's basically a brutal every person for themselves game. And uh, who won? Samuel. Oh, Samuel. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. So Samuel, you won. <laughs> I did. Having had, I, mean, I played it. I played it twice. So I played it the previous Tuesday as well. Yeah. Um, and done terribly. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems a bit of a take that kind of game. I don't, I don't really. It's, it's it's very very take that. If you don't like take that, you won't like yeah. it. It's a kind of free for all. Sort of a bit of a, I think Angelo described it as a MOBA in, in card game form a bit. You sort of, you, you've got like a few cards that you have a little four card, up to four card tableau front of you, and basically all your cards will probably do damage, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Or there's a few actual ones that will sort of block damage or redirect it. Um, so basically on your turn, you will draw some cards and then do various things in, in, in order, like using your cards or swapping them out, or you also have little shards that you use to upgrade your cards or upgrade your health. As well, and actually, it upgrades the slot rather than the card. So if you get rid of that card and put a new one, and the new one will come in at whatever level the previous one was at, which is quite nice. And then, yeah, so you'll damage things. There's, there's, there'll be a monster to fight as well, and that'll give you rewards like cards or shards. Or if it's a legend one, it'll give you the I what it's called the prism. I think it's called. If you get three prisms, you win. Um, so that's how you win. So there's. But if you, if you do get killed, you will just... Uh, if you're not getting any prisms, you'll just come back at the start of your next turn and go again. But if you start getting more prisms, it starts to be worse. So you might miss a turn, for example, once you start to getting prisms, which is a bit annoying. Although it's not too bad, because you, you then... You won't... It's it's done so that you're not going to miss... You're not just going to keep missing con- turns constantly. So you'll you'll skip a turn, and then the turn after that, you'll come back with sort of full health and everything. So you, you won't actually be in the game until you've missed your turn. So you, you will get at least one more turn before potentially missing another turn if you die if you happen to die again, which is which is good. But it's yeah, it's, it's quite nice, quite easy to set up. I mean, it's like I said, it is a lot of take that, so it, you can sort of go a bit back and forth. So the the first game I played, I got 
a prism quite early then and ended up losing that later on. In fact, ended up being the only person not to have any by the end of the game. Everyone else had got two or three that was winning because <laughs> of the way it went. Whereas this time I got, well, I sort of got going quite well and sort of kept, kept going. Got, you know, sort of one prism, then another one, then got the third one. Um, didn't really get challenged so much. So, I mean, I think my only criticism is not the main that you draw cards from. You do cycle it two or three times in a game, so there could perhaps be a few more cards in there, but expansions, I'm sure, will boost that. I, don't, I haven't played it, but uh, I was, I was, uh, uh, you know, watching you sort of play it with the with the other guys there, and the the cover looks really nice. It's got kind of like a foil kind of cover. Yeah, the box is really nice. And some of the cards are kind of foil as well. So if you think of like Magic the Gathering kind of foil cards, are a bit like that, aren't they? Yeah, like that. There's really nice art style as well. Sort of the, the pictures in the middle of the cards and things, and the way it's laid out is is really nice, which. I do find helps for me when I'm playing a game. It looks nice. Mm. Me a bit, but the box is really nice and shiny as well. I mean, I think... Yeah, it is, yeah. Because had a Kickstarter. <laughs> I think... It, so I'm not quite sure how much of that is sort of Kickstarter exclusive and how much of that is just sort of standard edition, exactly. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not a huge box, actually. I was sort of surprised by the... I mean, it's not necessarily a small box, but it's, you know, it's not like one of these big square boxes or one of these huge things. It's, you know, sort of century spice road size almost. Rather than rather than sort of terrifying mile size or whatever, so it's so sort of mid box game. You know, I mean, it's it's, I mean, it's a few piles of cards and some tokens. It's not actually and r- roughly uh, roughly how long did it take you to play it? Do you, do you remember? Um, I mean, this time it took us about an hour or so, I think. But I mean, on the, the Tuesday it took us more like two and a half hours because it was the first game when we were playing a bit slower. And it does it does you do build up because you will get um, you want to kill monsters, you will be gaining shards which allow you to power up your weapon spells or whatever they're called and so then you can do more damage with them and do more things and and you'll see a lot because you draw two cards at the start of your turn so you'll be able to see a lot of cards during the game so there, there is definitely a sense of sort of progression and you will get stronger in effect you, you, you can probably get through it at a fair pace there is a bit of downtime with people working out what they're going to do um, but if everyone who's played knows what they're doing I think it'll be a lot too bad and you might get targeted anyway so you probably might probably do something even if it's not your turn a lot of the time or would you play it again? Uh, yeah, I would do. I think, like I mentioned earlier, it, it, it's one of those games where you sort of want a few more cards in it. But again, expansions will... Um, hopefully, it's a game where I can imagine there'll be quite a few expansions for adding different things. And um, as I'd imagine after a, a few games, I'd sort of know all the cards upside down back to front to some extent. So I'd be going... might be tiring a bit. A bit. But need a bit more variety. Maybe a little bit. I mean, mm. that's perhaps partly just me. But I think it's... Like I said, one of those games you probably could have a lot more cards for. Seems it seems easy enough to expand. You could have more cards that do a slightly bigger variety of things. So yeah, it'd yeah. be easy to extend. If you like take that games, I think if you don't like take that games, it's not for you. I don't think <laughs> it's it's absolutely brutal. You just have to you just have, you know you just have to take being attacked on the gin because that will happen. You will die. You will. I mean, if you're not you know it's not actually that bad as I've said. You will come back pretty quickly. Yeah, I, d- I did notice one of the guys playing it wasn't wasn't terribly happy about it, and uh, I don't know if it was over the game, but he seemed a bit distracted and uh, yeah, not really into it. But that might be why. I think it's because it was taking a while to get back to him, and he's not really good with that. He well, he's he likes it. He doesn't like it when it takes ages to get back to him. He prefers to sort of be always playing. Right, so not good if you can't cope with downtime. And we had another person. We had another one who was new to it. It was taking a while on her turns as well. So. Moving on then. So the next thing then is question of the week. So Sam, Samuel suggested this one. This is, um, do you play any traditional games? 
So I guess we should probably start off by talking about what you mean by a traditional game, because to me, uh, a, a traditional game would probably be something like Carcassonne or Catan or something like that. Yeah. But I, th- I think you're more talking, Samuel, about the uh, about the you know older games where you might play them at Christmas with your family or something you might have played when when you were younger, perhaps. Yes, I was thinking of more things like a bit like Scrabble, a bit like Trivial Pursuit sprang to mind, things like Scattergrizz or Pictionary or these kind of bit more family games where you have teams or you have if you play what you know absolutely bothered at things like that. Um things you could pick up in Woolworths in the eighties. Yes, that kind of thing. Uh, we do we do have a couple that we played uh, at the club. Uh, I know we've got Boulder Dash in the uh, club library. I haven't seen it for a while, so maybe somebody's borrowed it. But we do have that, and and I think you played one recently as well, didn't you, Samuel? Yeah, I played played Boulder Dash a, um, a while back. But this week, I've sort of mentioned this now because this week, um, while Terraforming Mars was going on one table, a few of us were playing Articulate or Articulate. So I never know which of those two pronunciations that's supposed to be. <laughs> Um, on another table, it was very enjoyable. Actually, it was it was, it was a very good game. We had uh, we had had three teams. I was in a team of three uh, with James and Fed, and we had a couple more teams. Um, I think actually, we, and they were entirely balanced. We perhaps ought to have checked it was good at what before we started. But uh, early on, it was reasonably close, and then one of the teams pulled ahead a bit. We still, we, and then our, we sort of had a bit of a spread out. We had quite far ahead. Then we had our team was a bit further back, and then the other team was about sentence back again, but sort of maybe a quarter or third of the board behind, so about, about 10, 12 squares. And so then the team that was ahead got to the last square, and so then all we have to do to win is there's everybody has to be, there's one particular clue on the card, if you play articulate, they'll have a little spade by it, and so the, the guesser on that team will read that, will try and get them to guess that clue, and if they can guess it, they will win, otherwise it carries on. And so they got to the end, and Mighty was the next team back, and we must have been 15 squares behind them. And they must have had about, I wasn't keeping track, it must have been eight or nine, probably, spade cards, or up to that, maybe seven spade cards, and they didn't get any of them right. And our team inched up and got to the final square and then guessed the spade card correctly, so we won. So what's the main mechanic, what are you trying to do? you got you got cards that you're trying to guess a clue on it or something, did you say? Each team will have a guesser, and people who are trying to guess the clue. You get you'll be on a category, so objects or world or people or so on, and you'll have thirty seconds to sort of describe as many things in that category as you can. So you'll pick up a card, you'll it'll have you'll be on look at the word for your chosen category and go right. It's let's say it was an object and it was I don't know bath. You say you're not allowed to say the the word that's on the card or the derivatives of it. You can't mm. do sounds like or you can't do the first letter and things like that. Mm. You can mime and gesticulate as much as you want. You can't mouth the word uh, either. So you to bath, you might do something like it's it's the big thing you wash in. Um, so you say like bath and you pick next one up. It's shoe, it's thing thing you wear on your foot, whatever. And you can try to think of some clues. So for a, if a person, one of the people I mean, I noticed early on was Diego Maradona, footballer. So if you know your football, you might just give a clue with the hand of God, and somebody would might get that straight away if they know about football. You can try and tailor clues, for example, to the people you're with. If you know somebody knows quite a lot about maths or fantasy games or I don't know, depending on what comes up on the cards or nature or science or whatever, you can try and tap it to knowledge a bit. But and then you so then you after thirty seconds you move forward however many however many you got right. And then it's the next team's turn. But if you land on a one of the spade spaces you have to take up another card and do a spade then everybody get there's no time limit but everybody guesses and whichever team guesses it correctly then gets the next turn. Um so you could potentially lose a turn from that or gain an extra turn or whatever. Yeah, actually, I wasn't quite sure when we started. We thought, because mm. I've played it before and I quite liked it, but actually, 
we had we seemed to have quite a good group with us, and it was it was good fun. I think the ending as well, where we had one team who got to the end, then just couldn't for the life of them guess their final <laughs> spade question, and then got pipped. I think that was that was adding some quite good drama because that 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 whole bit once I got to the end, they must have been at the end for about half an hour. So I'm just having a look at it now. It's from 1992. This game. Yeah. So the clues that you'd got, did you find they'd aged at all? Did you find that uh, they were a bit out of date? Or I have a version myself, which is a bit newer, but this one was, was quite old. Um, it came from a, the guy who got it, got it from a charity shop at £2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um, it was missing the entire but we improvised. Um, so we were finding some old clues. I think the people in particular were quite, you know, we had clues coming up, things like, Bjorn Borg and Hannah Manlikova and you know um else did we have I mean Maradona's was actually new. Um and Ted Heath. Ted Heath was came up and I mean you, there's a few people that are sort of really old. I think I noticed King Nebuchadnezzar at one point and you've got people with Thomas Hardy from whatever, so that is a bit different. But um and then oh we had the other thing that definitely dated it is that some of the world things where we had things like Rhodesia. Campuchia, things like that, that just don't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> Which was interesting. Yeah, I, I guess if you play with a few younger players, they'll not necessarily know what all those things are. Uh, you, you had some non-English speakers as well, didn't you? We did. We had a couple of Fed, Fed and then Francesco later on. Were. So Fed, I think she had one go at giving clues out and then decided she didn't want to, to give clues out after that. She carried on playing, you know, she was in our team and got, got a few clues later on that, that's the downside of some of these older games isn't it some of them don't age particularly well so they're not great at including everybody yeah. in, if you if it's like particularly a trivia game or a guessing game yeah a trivial pursuit in particular i think i've seen, I've seen one two old versus trivial pursuit some of the questions in there are like i don't know because i wasn't born 40 years ago <laughs> it's like it's sort of about you know what was happening then so it like you'd know if you were playing it then but you won't now because it's not that big a news now well i remember years back playing a version of my dad's Trivial Pursuit and it was which year did Arsenal famously win the double and it's like well actually they've done it again <laughs> and so and things like that have happened since it's like yeah this is the problem you've got to keep trivial ones really have to be an up to date version unless it's kind of Harry Potter Trivial Pursuits where that's not going to be added on our things yeah are you going to get Questions where the answer isn't going to change or isn't going to be, you know, duplicated or whatever. And until thirty years' time, where it's who played Harry Potter? It's like, hmm, it was it Daniel Radcliffe or whoever it is in the Harry Potter twenty fifty reboot. Twenty fifty VR twenty five D reboot. Yeah. So, well, I've played traditional games fairly recently because my son likes uh, snakes and ladders and. Um, build a bug because they're nice quick little games but it does get a little bit frustrating uh, when it's the roll and moves where you can't do much and the build and bug where it's yeah. just those luck based elements but um, thankfully I'm able to push him into things which we wouldn't call a traditional game but um, I did play Hero Quest with him um, and his mum and a friend of ours a few weeks back so you know he, he's happy to play other things when he's got people to help him out but if it's just a quick game to pick up when we've got 10 minutes or so we do play some of the old classics where it is just luck based how old is he tom he is six so probably a little bit young to fully appreciate hero quest with that on on his own but he was was enjoying it do do you have any of the hubba games or any of this kind of 
you know, the newer games that are under that age, age category. Does you like any of those? We do. Um, yes, yes. Um, so we have got Chicky Chicky Boom, um, which is from Blue Orange Games and is a balancing game. We've got um, Ice Cool, I think again, mm. by Blue Orange. And quite often when I've been to UK Games Expo, I've picked up things that are appropriate for my son to play that are otherwise we've got quirk he loves that that's i think going to be a modern classic it's re- it's similar to um articulated those kind of games where you select collecting but you've got to act out what you've got on your card yeah. for people to guess and that's a nice little game the version i've got has got plastic cards so it works really well to have with kids but can play elsewhere um but that's not a traditional game so to speak um you know, he, we do play some of the modern things, but yeah, Hero Quest is a is one of those classic ones, isn't it? It's like the the one that a lot of people will probably remember playing as kids. Well, this is the thing I would have said. Hero Quest is a classic game, but I wouldn't say it's still classed within the traditional game sense. Even if you had, um, you know, what you were just talking about, Sam is probably newer by a few years or so. Because I think Hero Quest came out mid to late eighties. I think people would consider HeroQuest to be not a traditional game, whereas um, Articulate much more so. Did, did you say you played uh, Boulder Dash as well, Samuel? Yeah, we played that on a... Some of it down to the club on a, on a Friday once. That's one where you uh, you get a word and you have to write out a description of the word. Yeah, well, there's two different categories. Um, are you playing that because we sort of we were a bit, well, a bit knackered and we couldn't bother to play anything, anything <laughs> too deep? Um we, we'd actually, I think it's also because we've got about six of us and then we've got slightly too many for a kind of game. So we played that and you have, and again, I've got something and again, I've got a slightly new version, but this version has got, you have a word where you, you get a word that you've probably never heard of and you have to put the definition, you have to write down your definition for it. But whichever category you get, you, you all put something in and then whoever's person reading them out will read them all out, including the correct one, and everybody votes on which one they think was the correct one. And then you get points based on whether you got what the right one, whether people went for yours, and if you're the person guessing it with anybody, if nobody got it or not. So there's the there's word, there was then person, so you have to write down what they what they were famous for, that they invent something, they do what they first wanted to do something, have they got the record for this? It tends to be nonsense obscure things <laughs> a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And then there's initials, which is, is quite good. You have to say what your initials stand for. Um, and there were some quite amusing ones in that. And you've got film, so you get a, a film title. I have to say a brief description of the plot of the film. And then the last one, this version was you were given a date, so like twenty fourth of September nineteen ninety seven, or something, or the fourteenth of March nineteen twenty two. And you have to say what happened on that date. Oh, in the new version I've got, that last one is replaced by uh, you have to complete a law. So like in Arkansas, it is illegal to ride, and you have to complete that. So it might be a giraffe after door after dusk or something. <laughs> And you said the version you've got, so have you got like a newer version of this game then? I've got, I seem to have got a slightly newer version of it, which is, the only difference is that um, last category is different, the rest of it's exactly the same. Well, the board's different, I've got a slightly different board as well. I wonder if they're still making it now then, I wonder if they're still releasing it and you can buy it. Yeah, well, probably, I think it's probably still available somewhere. And how, how do you think it held up, was that okay? Um... No. <laughs> yeah, I think it held up alright, we had, I feel like we did have a couple of times where 
their definition didn't match up to the actual definition. We sure we had one where I think it was Wilson where the definition just didn't, or the personal something just didn't match up to what what it actually was because either we googled it or somebody knew it or something. We had a bit of uh, I remember there being one where we had a debate where something wasn't quite right. But um, in I mean it, it tends to use fairly old. I think a lot of say the people and things are from will be from at least sort of 50, 60, 70 years ago anyway, so... Yeah. And, you know, it's about things that have happened, so that's not going to change. So, you know, the, the definitions of the, what the de- whatever they are. So it's... It doesn't... I mean, it's not it's not too based on sort of, you know, trivia or facts or what... Well, it's obviously based on facts, but it's not based on... You know, it doesn't... It matters less if it gets older, I think, because of how it works. You know, the what happened on such and such a date... You know, that date's gone, so that will always have happened on that date. It's not going to change. You know, the the film plots will always be the same now because that's what the film was and so on. I think uh, I think sometimes uh, these, these kind of games, they, they will seem a bit dated. Like Tom said, if they've got like, older mechanics that you don't really see these days, like yeah. roll and move where it's not particularly fair, or if you're yeah, you know you're asking right. trivia questions where a person needs to know the answer to kind of win the game, that's not really fair either, is it? But... Yeah. A lot of people, I guess, will probably still play these. A lot of people will still have them, you know, have them in the cupboards and get them out at Christmas and New Year's when family come round and, and still probably play them and still probably enjoy them. Yes, I mean, I, I very much enjoyed it actually on, on Tuesday. Like I said, it was actually quite good fun. Well, can I say what some people consider a dirty word then? Monopoly. Uh. Yes. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> yeah. You know how many different versions are there? I sort of I deliberately left that off the list because I know we're, we're not very big Monopoly fans. Although I do have a couple yeah. of versions. Rick, do you own any versions of Monopoly? Uh, no, my parents owned it, and they, I don't know if they still do. But when I was younger, I can remember it being kept under the cupboard, and uh, yeah, it used to come out at Christmas, and we always used to cheat by stealing from the bank and not playing by the rules properly and things like that. I can't remember as ever having an auction or a... <laughs> no, I never had an auction. I had a couple of versions as a kid and played it a lot. Never had an auction. Uh, but no, I've not, I've not played it for since yeah, since I was about 10, I think. Yeah, I, I've played it since then. I do have a wooden version, which does occasionally get played, but it is the case of... I'm finding more the um, roll and move element is a little bit frustrating to a point. I definitely did. I definitely find it less enjoyable than I, I sort of did before I started getting into proper board games. Likewise, like I say, I haven't played it for a long time, but I guess if you if you like a particular theme, there will be a game that's themed around it somewhere out there. Probably because there's, they, they release kind of every version under the sun, don't they? So you, you yeah, you know, you, you could play whatever version you wanted to. I mean, I've got I've got a Fallout version of Monopoly, and some people play Monopoly, you know, like really like it and play it all the time. Uh, if you uh, if you do like uh, these kind of games, then a lot of the times you, you you know you can have a wander around the charity shops and a little yeah. bit of the, the odd game there that you can find. Um, I, I I call in every now and then, and I'll I'll pop in and have a look through because I like looking at the knickknacks and I'll have a look through the DVDs and you know the CDs and things like that. Yeah, I like to go to charity shops as well. Yeah, just to see what's there really, and, and a lot of these you know these kind of games you can see so you can see there. And like I said, some of them hold up and some don't really. But yeah. one one game that I bought recently was um, Centipede. Uh, this is from 1983, I think. And this is the old uh, MB games version, based on the on the old video game, the old Atari video game. Okay. So this is this is just for two players, and I, I've not played it, so I don't know what it's like. But it's actually full of little plastic bits, and uh, so I bought it for like one pound fifty or something, and. Uh, I was really surprised that, to get it home and find that everything was wow. there. It was, all the pieces were there, 
all the little nice. plastic bits, all the uh, all the cards and everything. Um, wow. Even the the, uh, the stickers, there's like stickers that you uh, stick on the plastic bits to show whether they like mushrooms or whatever. The the sheet from all the, all the stickers was staying there as well, and a little wow. uh, a little advert of of all the you know all the toys are from that era. So right, yeah. I, I don't think it's one that that particularly would help. It's got a spinner in it. This one, so you spin the spinner around. And that tells you whether you can move the centipede, or whether you move a spider, or you can shoot at the at the mushrooms, or whatever. So I get, uh, I, I don't know if it'll hold up, but I was looking, I was actually looking online to see if it was worth anything, would see if it was valuable. Um, it is not, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. The, these true. are like you can buy them on eBay for next to nothing. Uh, but what I saw actually was a, a new centipede game. So it's a, a newer version of centipede. Which is quite a recent game. I've I've not seen. I've not played it. I don't know anything about it. But no, me neither. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a similar kind of game. But that, that I'd look on Amazon for that, and that was eight eight pounds and one penny to buy it from Amazon. Does that have updated so... trivia questions then? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, if, uh, if, I think it's a completely different game. It's obviously a bit more designed with a bit more modern kind of because there's, there's a series of them. I saw. A, a Missile Command game and a few other bits and bobs as well. So oh, wow. it might be tempted just to pick one of those up just to try it and see and see what it was like. Yeah. Um, I've actually got the sheet here. There's a there's a sheet inside it which is like an advert for for games of the time. So okay. on here we've got um, Game of Life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, tw- Twister. Yeah, another one. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. classic. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Hangman, which is like a tr- traditional game, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. it's a Pac-Man game. Okay. Battleships. Oh uh, yeah, I had that one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I've had them. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll say. I, I actually yeah. played, I played that digital version. Yeah, didn't I played recently. that last week. I think with Sam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had. I played Yahtzee. I had. I had a word Yahtzee as well, which was the same thing. But we had. You had letters on the dice, and then you trying to make words. Um, that's a very long time since I played, so I can't quite remember exactly how it worked. Yeah, so so some of these games will probably hold up better than others. Um, yeah, I guess, definitely. especially like you say, if they are trivia based, then. You know, if it's, a, it's quite an old game, then you're probably not going to know half of who the people are who are in there. <laughs> no. Okay. I was just going to go for a quick two minutes on a couple of independents on Kickstarter, if that's groovy. Yeah, there's a couple of projects started the other week uh, on Kickstarter, which are by some independent publishers. I've met them at conventions or at uh, playtest sessions. So uh, the first one I want to talk about is Daring Dust Bunnies, by Andy Hopwood or Hopwood Games. Uh, met this as, uh, met Andy at a, a Birmingham board game bash. Saw the artwork. The artwork is really cute, but really nice. It really gets into the feel of your, these little fluff balls, but they are bunny based, um, uh, just to keep with the theme. And it's a kind of push your luck, um, but also random identity. Um, so lots of interesting choices on what you're doing. Um, there's, a, you know, it's a sort of a mid-box game, as we were talking about earlier, like Century Spice Road, but um, with different cards. You've got tokens, um, and you've got different playboards as well, so you've got um, a different setup each time you play. Um, and it's not too expensive. I think it's about £25 on um, Kickstarter as we... Sorry, £25? It's £20. So I'm completely wrong there. So wow. a, a nice little game. Um, I think it would work well um, with families because of the artwork um, and um, and isn't particularly tricky gameplay, but there's enough um, choice elements in there. So it's not totally random. 
You've got a cat meeple and a dog meeple, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and it's currently over 50% funded with a number of weeks to go. Um, and yeah, would be really good one to try and to have one to play. The other one I wanted to talk about quickly as well is Weird Alchemy by, um, Clever Unicorn Games. And this one is funded. Um, and this is a card game. Um, you've got the standard deck at, I think, nine dollars, so less than a tenner. And the deluxe deck at thirteen dollars, so a little over a tenner. Um, so twelve dollars. And so yeah, these are just card games. The artwork is even better than the other one. You've got lots of weird monsters. So you've got Calthulu. You've got a gelatinous bunny. Yeah, it's fantastic, the artwork. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I know this is the first of a couple of games the Clever Unicorn are working on. The guys are really... Uh, it's a two-team kind of uh, setup. So you've got one guy, Dan, who's mainly involved in the business side. The other guy, Chris, is the designer. Um, and so you've got, as as a team, works really well. And for something that's funded or hit its funding level and is just going to improve as you go along, it's definitely worth something sort of back for a tenner, effectively. Yeah, I, I love the artwork on this. It's brilliant. It's it's a little yeah. bit, um, a little bit. The cover of it is like a big eyeball, eyeball in yeah. like a purple monster face, and it's a little bit monster zinc, a little bit of Monty Python. A little bit of Salvador Dali thrown in. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. that weird kind of freaky but really cool kind of monsters and things. Yeah, it's really it looks yeah. really nice. Yeah, so I've backed it because um, it's like it's a tenor and nice guys um, and very much to two things from independent companies to just keep an eye out if you want to um, get something that's not too expensive, £10 or £20. You know, you can't go wrong, really. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to check those out. Yeah, they sound great. Right, uh, so we'll wrap it up for this episode then. Thank you uh, for listening to everybody and thank you for joining me, Samuel and Tom, as ever. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. We a bit of information about the club. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on the forum. We are www.sheffieldboardgamers.com. Uh, you can email us at sheffieldboardgamers at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. If you want to come and play some games, we meet twice a week. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, come along and play some games with us. Tom, do you want to give us your details, please? So, I can be found at Redwell Games on Facebook and Twitter, or the website is www.redwellgames.com. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, guys, and we'll see you again next time. Goodbye for now. Bye. Bye for now. Bye.